Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidinol, founder of Leading Australian Podcast Agency and 2021 Australian Podcast Awards finalists, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion, and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify, where once being a digital creator was just a hobby. Now, it's a multi-billion dollar industry that has changed the way we live our daily lives. A brand who's mostly responsible for that, Facebook, or should I say, Meta. In today's episode, we sit down with Annie Huang, a former Facebook employee, Annie and her partner, in both life and business, Jason Chu are helping digital creators to leverage monetization opportunities through their platform, Jemmy. In this app, Annie shares her upbringing between the US and South Korea, what it was like studying at the prestigious Harvard University, as well as how to lean into the discomfort and build tolerance as a young entrepreneur. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials, or if you're new here, Firstly, welcome. And please do take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and help us on our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado... Welcome, Annie. Annie, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. I'm excited as well. Amazing. So you you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the incredible work that you're doing and business and tech, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate you reaching out. I'm excited to share our journey and also learn more about how you got started with Peers to Peers as well. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Awesome. So, you know, 
For those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. For sure. So my name is Annie, uh, Annie Huang, and I'm one of the co-founders and co-CEOs at Jemmy, which is a modern day no-code website builder specifically designed for creators and entrepreneurs. Um, our users are really creators of all types, ranging from TikTokers, YouTubers, freelancers, and even some NFT collectors and artists. And our mission is to help creators and entrepreneurs really just build their brand and income online. Um, my co-founder and I actually started building Jemmy back in April of 2020, so right around the time the pandemic hit. And prior to Jemmy, I worked at Facebook as a product manager for around two years on their creator monetization team, which is where I initially kind of got interested in the creator space. And um, I grew up sort of all over the US, um, California, Colorado, New York, but also spent a decent amount of time in Seoul, South Korea, where I lived from when I was eight to 14 years old. Oh, amazing. I just love that. And I can't wait to dive deeper into the business and how it all formulated during the pandemic. But before I do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and it kind of touches on what you just said, Annie, around where you grew up. So I'd love for you to deep dive into that. You know, what was it like growing up in South Korea for that period of time? And then I guess, you know, how do you think that impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Yeah, that's a great question. Um I think moving around a lot was pretty challenging. Um, I was just really felt like, especially before I moved to Korea, moving around a lot. And even after moving to Korea, I think I had to go through transition periods where the first school I went to was just a typical public actual Korean school. And then after two years, transitioned into an international school. So I think overall, feel like I grew up with a lot of uncertainty um, and it's, it was difficult, but I think that's also what has helped me to kind of be more comfortable with uncertainty and um, also build some resilience. So I almost feel like now I kind of am looking for uncertainty sometimes and looking for challenges because I've just built up that tolerance. And unless there is a little bit of that, those challenges, I, I feel like I do get kind of bored. I love that you now look for it. You know, I think so many of us listening in might be like, oh, I wish I looked for challenges. You know, I wish I wish my situation was that. But I, I find it fascinating. And I think, you know, for our peers out there listening who kind of are the opposite and they run away from that discomfort and, you know, perhaps they didn't have or we didn't have the same opportunity to travel around and not that it was easy for you by any means but even still like we didn't have that upbringing you know what advice would you give to us around leaning into the discomfort that's that's also a great question um I would say that the best way to build that tolerance is kind of putting yourself in those situations and for this feeling of, of uncertainty there are so many ways you can kind of find uncertainty, right? Like one way is doing a startup, but before kind of getting there, I think there is a lot of things you can do from just with like small projects that anyone can do with just like a little bit of time and trying it out and seeing how that goes. I feel like the best way, like I said, to just like build that tolerance is exposing yourself to these situations of uncertainty just more and more. Um, and like you said, not everyone grows up kind of just 
naturally being exposed to that, but I think you can kind of create it on yourself. Such great advice. And I just find it so fascinating your upbringing. You know, when you ended up moving back to the US and kind of after that stint, what was that like for you in terms of culturally kind of getting your head around it? Or maybe it was moving from the US to Korea that was the most culture shock. You know, how did you navigate through those cultural differences when you were still trying to learn who you are, how to show up in the world, you know, as a young kind of kid? What was that experience like for you? Yeah, I think it was pretty difficult, both like going to Korea for the first time and then also moving back. Um, first, when I moved to Korea, I was just thrown into a public Korean school and I had to like learn how to not only read, but write and also kind of understand what's happening after learning these words in Korean. And I think what personally helped for me really is just kind of going through that experience with my brother. Um, so my brother is two years older than me. And I think just knowing that I wasn't alone going through that experience helped. And I would say that my brother and I really growing up were best friends. Uh, we fought a lot, but also kind of depended on each other a lot. And I'd say even when moving back to the States, um, yeah, I think also just having him there was helpful. I really don't know how I would have reacted if I felt like I was really just alone going through this journey. So he probably doesn't even know about this, but if he ends up listening to this, well, which I will force him to. Um, I, um, well, now he knows. He's been like a really just, I think, awesome friend and just someone that I really could depend on all these years. I love that. How can we find our people when we feel like we're really alone or going through something super tough, whether it's personally, if we're moving around or if we're starting our own business or doing something different? That's another great question. I don't know if I have like the perfect answer for that. I know from my personal experience, what has helped is just every time I meet someone new, um, just not forcing myself to do anything and just really trying to be myself in terms of what I say, what actions I do. I think just being true to myself has helped me identify like the right people in my life. And I don't think I'd be here if, let's say, growing up, I tried to be someone who I'm not. If I did that, then I would probably attract these types of people that I don't actually get along with. So I think for myself, just being true to myself and like honest with my actions and my words has helped me identify the right people. Oh, but it can be so hard, Annie. It can be so tough to like stay true to ourselves and, and to really be our true self when, especially when we're growing up and we don't even really know who we are and there are cool kids and there are, you know, whatever different groups that we want to be a part of. Like for me personally, I remember I struggled so much with just trying to be my true self. And I think to be honest with you, it's been only in the last couple of years going through this entrepreneurial journey where you're almost forced to like look at yourself in a way that perhaps you might 
not otherwise have done. You know, it's only been in, for me at least, the last couple of years, kind of really just checking myself. And even still to today, just always going, are you staying grounded to who you actually are in this conversation or with this person or in this situation with a client or whatever it may be? You know, for you, was there ever a time where you just felt so disconnected with yourself and you just didn't know how to kind of root yourself or ground yourself again? Yeah, I think for me personally, if I'm being really honest, I don't think I ever really struggled with that, mainly because I'm a pretty big introvert. So I think kind of growing up, I never really felt like I have to do this to like fit in. And I do think that probably my answer for the second part of the question of like, oh, as you became an entrepreneur, has that kind of changed? And I do think for that piece, I do kind of resonate with because oftentimes you have your perception of what the business is and like how to be framing your company, what you stand for. And then when you're talking to different investors or different types of users, uh, you kind of have to, depending on who you're talking to, frame it in different ways. And I think that's just one thing that I've learned to kind of do. And that I feel like I've realized that doesn't necessarily mean you're not being true to yourself. It's just like learning how to be framing things depending on who you're talking to. Yeah, I think I still continue to do that. And it feels weird sometimes. But as long as, you know, it all kind of falls under Jemmy's mission of like helping creators and entrepreneurs grow. um, I think there is different ways uh, we frame it. But yeah, that's kind of like how we've been kind of pitching Jemmy um, and still staying true to ourselves while also being flexible. Oh, yes, that flexibility. I hear you. So I want to dive a bit deeper into the story. So, you know, you grew up traveling all over the place then you landed back in the US and you went off to Harvard to study computer science and psychology. Could you talk to us a little bit about your decision to go to Harvard? What was that process like? And then also, you know, what was that experience like when you were there? And what do you think was one of the key things you learned about yourself during your college days? Yeah, in terms of the decision uh, making process for going to school at Harvard, I think was just wanting this liberal arts college. And also I I did want like a good education. So there were a couple of schools that we were um, that I was considering and kind of discussing with our parents, Um, ultimately decided on Harvard because I guess kind of growing up, at points of my childhood, it was like a dream school. Um, So that was kind of like how I decided. And in terms of my experience there, um, the first year was pretty hard for me. I think um, just being away from family and I'm very, very close to my family and just not having them there was really difficult. And I went to high school in Irvine and um, my mom actually still lives in the Orange County area. So just being so far from her was difficult, I think. Um, But over the next few years after my freshman year, I definitely feel like I found my people. Um, And I think kind of going back to what we were saying earlier, I think I was able to find those people because I just decided to like be my own self um and in terms of the education it it was great i think some of the computer science classes were definitely difficult um but it was also nice having friends like be taking the class with um didn't feel like i was ever alone so that really helped 
Yeah, I think I already shared this, but I think during college was when I realized I was quite introverted. I think I realized that after seeing how all of my friends would just have so much energy um, constantly being around people. And then I would think to myself, like, oh, my God, how are they still just together right now? I just need to go kind of rest. And I think it's also that growing up at my high school, my best friends were also very introverted, which is what I found out later on. Um, so I think college was the first time I was like making a lot of friends that were very, very extroverted and realizing, oh, maybe I'm, I am just more introverted than my friends and that's okay. I think that kind of forced me to learn how to just be true to myself and as an introvert, knowing that sometimes I just need time to recharge and don't have to force myself to like be at places or doing things when um, I really just need rest. I so resonate with that. I think so much of the time, especially when we're just still growing up, even to today, we kind of get swayed by what our friends are doing and the way they act and and kind of how they show up, all those in our network or whatever it may be. And it's so cool that you were able to identify at the time, or perhaps this was after, that you were an introvert and that therefore it doesn't mean that you're don't want to be social. It's just that for you to gain energy, you need to be alone at times. And it's funny because only recently I've realized that I'm very extroverted, but I'm an extroverted introvert. So there are actually moments where it's too much and I need to just remove myself and I need to just recharge. And the way I gain a lot of my energy, as much as I love people, I do gain it that way. I think I more so gain it when I'm by myself. And for me, that's shown up because I've recently moved out just on my own, um, different city here, I've moved up to Sydney. And it's just really shown, I guess I've just really realized, and I'm in like my late 20s, <laughs> only now like understanding this, you know. And so what advice would you give to our peers out there listening who perhaps they don't really know if they're an introvert or they're an extrovert or why they feel so depleted in certain situations you know how can we better identify and better know ourselves and then be okay with that yeah I think um, what helped me is having conversations with my friends about this exact topic literally asking other friends oh do you guys feel tired after hanging out for like 10 hours um and a lot of the friends that I would talk to are like not really um and still like they're they're more energized after hanging out with their friends and I think from those conversations I realized oh I guess like at least from this compared to this friend group I'm a lot more introverted and even within that friend group I think I was able to start identifying other friends that were more introverted like I was and I think yeah but my main advice for those trying to figure out if like they're introverted or extroverted or trying to figure out like their what amount of hanging out, what amount of um, socializing is right for them. I think it just comes down to talking to other peers, seeing how they're feeling about the topic. Absolutely. And I guess not feeling awkward to bring it up, you know, just being like, hey, this is where I'm at. Where are you at? You know, I'd love to know. Absolutely. So you're at Harvard and then straight after that, you dived into the world of work. And as you mentioned earlier, you were at Facebook as a product manager for, I think it was about two years. You know, talk to us a little bit about your time at Facebook and 
when that moment came for you to leave and start your business, you know, what was that decision like for you? Yeah. Um, overall, I really, really liked my time at Facebook. I think mainly because of the people. Um, I was fortunate to have like really awesome managers, really awesome teammates, and definitely learned a lot the first like one to two years. I think in terms of like how I was able to make that decision, I do think for when I was at Facebook, around the two-year mark was when I felt like my learning was kind of plateauing. After like those two years of being a product manager, I think I felt like, oh, I kind of want to try something else. And I kind of want a bigger challenge for myself. And this goes back to kind of what I was saying earlier when we were just getting started. Um, I almost feel like I was always seeking for challenges, like the next new hard thing for me to accomplish. And I think around maybe January of 2020 was also when I just started talking about the creator space a lot with my co-founder, Jason, who's actually also my romantic partner. Um, we would just kind of converse about the space a lot and realized, first of all, we had like the shared passion for the space because he actually comes from a music production background. And then secondly, that right at that time, it kind of felt like when our tolerance for, for risk was both pretty high. And I think it was because also that we're pretty young. I mean, I still feel like I'm pretty young, but um, at the time even younger, just felt like oh, if we're interested in doing something like this right now is the time. Um, and transparently for me, I think a big push for just getting this started and leaving was Jason because I really don't know if I would be able to do it by myself. Having someone I trusted so much and being able to work on something that we're both so passionate about together just sounded so much more appealing than the nine to five job I was having before. Oh yes, I can resonate. I love that. So you made the decision to dive into the world of business. You know, what were those first couple of early challenges like? You know, there's such a misconception of, oh, a startup is so sexy, so cool, you know, and, and then you start and you're like, oh, wow, this is really tough. You know, what were some of those early challenges like for you and Jason and how did you navigate through them? Yeah, the first few months, I would say, were definitely so challenging because it was so new. I think for me, the hardest part in the very first year was just not having a manager and having full control over my schedule. When I was at Facebook, uh, I always had a manager kind of there to like guide me, right? Like let me know if I if there are things that I need to work on or also just encouraging me when I did do something well. Um, and I also, my schedule was completely packed all the time with a lot of meetings with um, our team's engineers, designers, and other teams for like partnerships and stuff. And once we started working on Jummy, my schedule was completely free because I, I own my own schedule, right? I could do whatever I want with it. And then to not having a manager to let me know how I was doing, I think was extremely difficult because just not having that validation after like 24, 25 years of having that constant validation, I think was the hardest. And in terms of how we were able to get through that, I think one is I think we got used to it. <laughs> and then two, I do think um, Jason and I started becoming kind of each other's manager almost. Um, 
letting each other know, hey, you're doing a good job. Like, that was awesome. Thanks for like doing that so quickly. Or like, you know, even after like a partnerships call that we do together, giving each other feedback and that kind of stuff. So on the manager end, that helped. And then on the scheduling side, I think I just remember when I was having this challenge, I write a lot of blog posts and about like, oh, how do you effectively manage your time? And it seemed like a lot of the tips that were provided in these blog posts were to just not have just like a checklist, but almost like build your own schedule based on what you want to accomplish that day. And I think that really helped me a lot. So I started just blocking my schedule like for like 30 minutes or like one hour each. And it would list out the actual like task I had to do. And I think that really helped a lot because starting the day, if you kind of have an idea of how the day is going to go based on the schedule that you created that morning, it just feels more digestible, I guess, than just having a laundry list of things to do. So, so valuable and such a good learning. I love how you mentioned this validation piece. I think so many of us face this, you know, whether we're entrepreneurs, whether we're still in the workforce or whatever it may be, but especially as entrepreneurs that are just starting out, you know, how can we get better at giving ourselves our own validation and validating ourselves? Yeah, another great question. Just full of great questions today. (laughs) I think what's important is before you start doing anything to almost define your own success state or like success metrics so that when you are trying to find that validation later for me it's helped to just before I do anything understand like oh what if I do this well like what would that look like Um, how do I know if it's actually done what I kind of planned for it to do and I think that kind of has helped on the work side of things um, when it comes to like oh validating that whatever work I produced is good. It kind of validates whatever hypothesis that I had. And in terms of like on a more personal level of self-validation, I think that's a little trickier. Even now, I feel like I have imposter syndrome. Um, There are times where I'm like, oh, I really am not good at this. And I think for those instances, I just kind of remind myself of where we started. Like two years ago, like we had nothing, no product, no users, nothing. And we're so much farther than we were two years ago. So I think having that, just reminding myself of really just the progress we've made, I think that really helps when I'm feeling kind of down for whatever output that I have, because there will be days that are like that, right? Not every day, you're not going to be crushing all of your goals and all of your tasks every day, you know? And I think when I am feeling low, which is okay, which is normal, right? I think I just remind myself, hey, it's okay. Think about where you started and where you're at now. What has been the lowest part of your journey to date? I think one point of Jamie that was pretty difficult was not not an identity crisis, but we've definitely gone through a bit of a pivot. And I think um, when we were going through that pivot, uh, Jason and I had a lot of lengthy conversations of whether or not it's the right thing to do. It it turned out to be like the best thing ever. Um, We actually, I'm not sure if you um, saw, but Jemmy actually started off as more of a monetization tool for creators where creators can not only sell, you know, digital downloads, but subscriptions and merchandise, kind of like an all-in-one creator monetization platform. 
And since then, as I said, right now, Jemmy is this website builder for creators and entrepreneurs, and we still have e-commerce built in, but that transition didn't come overnight. We had a lot of discussions internally, um, and that point where I kind of sensed some disagreement with Jason for the first time was really stressful. Um, And I think we had a little bit of that disagreement in the beginning because in terms of how Jason and I generally divide up the work, um, I do a lot of the marketing, community, more sales calls. And oftentimes I was the one really interacting with our users and at least the users I interacted with seemed to really love our old product. But Jason always would bring up a good point. Hey, like, it's great that we have some of these users that love it, but the majority that we're not actually chatting with that have only shot us a quick email response actually have valid reasons for why they're not using the platform. And I think overall in the beginning, after those like disagreements, he definitely did a really good job in convincing me because like I said, it was the best decision for us. But I think in the beginning, having those hard conversations about the future of the company or like what the company is even is, I think was challenging. But at the end of the day, I think we were able to make a pretty seamless uh, transition and pivot because our mission overall kind of stayed true where we wanted to help creators and entrepreneurs grow. We started with monetization and income on the first side, and then we kind of started building out this piece of helping creators grow their brand. So I think overall, like it all kind of worked out, but I just remember in the beginning uh, when we were first having those conversations, it was really difficult. I have a question that I think so many of our listeners and, you know, our peers out there listening might be dying to ask, and that is doing business with your intimate partner. You know, you just mentioned then that, you know, you were having some heated discussions. And I think the main difference is if you have those discussions at work or within your business, then you come home and at least you can just relax. (laughs) But you go home with that person. It seems like you're doing a stellar job, I just have to say, you know, but how have you navigated through building a business with your intimate partner and, you know, what have some of those challenges been like and how have you been able to kind of get through them? Yeah, it it's not easy, um, but it's also so fun and rewarding. You know, I think when Jason and I were first getting started, we were just so excited to be able to work together. Um, I think it works out for Jason and me because we're both equally passionate about the space and also wanted to kind of start this entrepreneurial journey together. Um, But there are still a lot of challenges, right? I think already doing a startup in and of itself is stressful. um, And those types of stress will sometimes cause you to be a little crankier or cause you to say things in a way that you don't kind of mean for it to be offensive or hurtful. And we've had those instances, you know, where let's say I'm working on something, I need his help, but he's busy doing something else. I think sometimes when asking for a favor, it sounds a little bit more aggressive than I mean for it to be. And there are all those small instances. And I think generally, if both are feeling stressed, sometimes it does lead to an argument. But I think what ends up working for us is anytime we sense this, like a little bit of having the discussion being a little bit more heated, that I think we kind of try to identify it earlier. Um, And I think we were able to kind of build up this muscle um, 
like throughout, or I think we started getting better at it, I guess, um, after like a year or so. And after having a lot of conversations of like, hey, how can we improve this? Like, what um, is something that I said today that made you feel offended? And having those really honest discussions, I think helped. Overall, I personally feel like, at least for Jason and me, our relationship, our romantic relationship is actually like a really big strength because for one, we just have so much trust for each other. Um, so we never have to worry about like, I don't know, some other things that other co-founders might have to worry about. And I think also because we're on this journey together, we just understand each other so much. You know, like if I seem really down, Jason just really gets it. Um, maybe he was feeling down like two days ago. And I think just being able to be there for each other for us has really worked. Again, I don't know if it's for everyone, but in our case, it's been great. And I just feel lucky to be able to do this with my partner. Oh, so amazing. I think we so appreciate you being so open and honest with us about this. I mean, you know, it's not often that you see two partners, you know, making it happen and creating an amazing business together. So it's super cool to see. I mean, I, on a personal note, my parents have been in business together for over 30 years and there are so many times where I, I wonder, you know, I just think, oh my goodness, I just have so much respect for you guys going through this together because the journey in of itself, if you are an entrepreneur, you understand it is such a roller coaster. And I think, you know, I can definitely see so many of the benefits through my parents of, you know, how it's made them closer, how it's made them understand each other. But in so many other ways, I think, oh my goodness, don't you just want to go home and like not talk about business for five seconds, you know? So it's been so interesting for me to observe throughout my, you know, lifetime. And it's so cool to hear kind of your experience with that too. Amazing, Annie. Oh, look, we could talk for days, but I am mindful of your time. So I've got a couple of final questions for you. And the first one is, what has been your greatest failure and win to date? I think the biggest failure probably is kind of like that initial product that we launched with that we were so bullish on for, I would say, almost a year. And I think that also is, I would I know the second part of the question was the biggest win. I also do think it was both the failure and the win because it was the first experiment that we ever ran, right? Like our product, I think we kind of been thinking about it as the experiment that we ran for the first year. That is ultimately what taught us, um, a, you know, helped us learn more about the space, how creators really think about growing their brand, growing their income online and I think for us, the reason I say it was both a failure and a win is because without that experience, we really wouldn't have been able to build Jemmy to where it is today. And I do think that overall, though we decide to pivot and not be just a monetization platform, I do think the initial love that we were able to kind of get from our early users gave us kind of that base to start something even bigger and with the support of the early users. So yeah, I think overall, if we were to do it again, yeah, maybe we would just do the same exact thing because we were able to learn so much. I love that. Look, Annie, over the last two years in business, you've really gone from strength to strength. Throughout the pivot, you know, the failures and the challenges, you've also obviously had so many wins and received a lot of recognition for your work. And most recently, you were featured on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. 
What are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? I would say like first thing is just don't be afraid of failure. I think oftentimes fear is what kind of paralyzes people and also discourages people from taking action. And I know it's probably easier said than done to like to say, don't, don't be scared. But I really do think just kind of getting over that fear and just jumping into it, whatever that may be, whether it's a startup or, you know, creating content or whatever that may be, I think is probably one of the things that has helped me in my just personal life and journey. And then two, just surround yourself with your people and people that you can trust. And I know that's another thing that is not always easy, but I think with time and, you know, consistently being true to yourself and having conversations with others, you'll start realizing who is really your people. And I think kind of related to that, the last piece of advice is to actually lean on those people when things are hard. Um, Because whatever journey that you decide to go on, if it's anything risky or bold, it's going to be challenging. And um, it's even more challenging if you feel like you're just really alone. So I would say the last piece of advice is don't be afraid to lean on uh, the people that are around you. If they're really like your true friends and family members, they'll always be there for you. And that will really help you persevere and get through anything. So well said. Annie, oh my goodness, it's been so, so cool to chat. Before I ask you the final question, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing, you know, for showing us, and particularly us, you know, young, ambitious women of colour, that if we have a desire to chase something that we care about, we actually can do it regardless of how scary it may feel in the moment. And, you know, your story and what you're all about just shows us that. And for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you. I mean, I'm just so glad I decided to come on to uh, the podcast and also get to meet you. Um, yeah, I was just doing research on Fears to Fears podcast and that I love what it stands for. Um, I was also listening to a couple of episodes before and they're just so inspiring. So thank you for uh, doing this. I'm sure all the listeners just really, really appreciate it. Oh, Annie, thank you. Oh, so the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Yeah, I think it's just so fun and rewarding when you're pursuing something that you actually personally are passionate about. It's so different from doing something because you're told to do so. And I think I've really felt that. So with Jemmy, even though things are stressful, I'm able to keep on going because of how fun and rewarding it is. And I think that's all due to the fact that Jason and I are both just so passionate about the space and helping creators grow online. Ah. I love it. Annie, oh my goodness, we've had an absolute blast. Thank you so much. Where can we learn more about you and Jemmy? Yeah, so you can learn more about Jemmy just by going to jemmy.so. And about myself, you can go to jemmy.so slash Annie Huang, which is my Jemmy personal website. Amazing. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. And for everyone else listening, 
We will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. Thank you.